Okay. In our house, we have a cupboard, as I'm sure most houses do. But in this, <laughs> sorry, uh, and uh, in this cupboard is is a jar, and this jar has one purpose in its life. It's one of those. Uh, it's a fairly big size sort of kilner jar, if you know the one I'm, sort of thing I'm talking about. And it has a specific purpose. Uh, it can only be used for one thing. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's not yet been used for this purpose, but. We'll get to use it soon, I hope. And this jar uh, was a gift from Steph uh, for a Christmas gift. Uh, and along with the jar came a book. And the book was called Cooking with Kimchi. I don't know if anyone here knows what kimchi is. You might have, uh, I don't know what your relationship with kimchi is like. You might not even know what I'm talking about. Uh, but kimchi, it's a Korean dish. Uh, and it's made, it's uh, salted and fermented vegetables. And you can put different seasonings and different things in with it. It's one of my favourite things to eat. Uh, and uh, I've been talking for a little while about, kind of been talking about where we can get some from, and so Steph decided, well, actually, you can make it yourself. Uh, so she bought me the things uh, to go with it. And in this book, let's have a, a little look through this book, and it has some, some recipes and some ideas of how to use kimchi in, in other aspects of cooking. So, for example, it would show you this, uh, a burger, and then it would show you what type of kimchi would go specifically well with it. And I picked one that I thought looked really nice, and then I had a look at what kind of kimchi it used, uh, and, it, and it said it takes two months for this one to get ready. And I'm just like, I'm like I can barely think a few days ahead about what I want to eat, let alone having to plan two months ahead now in terms of uh, what I'm going to eat uh, and when. But that is the nature of kimchi. So it takes time to ferment, it takes time to, to get ready, it takes time to be prepared. Uh, but actually, there are, other, there are some types of kimchi that you can uh, prepare and you can eat straight away if you wanted to. Uh, we've had a, had a go at a few of those just because <laughs> I couldn't be bothered to wait a few months. So I thought we'll do one that we can eat today. Uh, so we've done that a few times. Uh, but there are others um, that you prepare and you leave to ferment. Uh, and, and what happens is, as you leave them to ferment, the flavours become stronger, flavours become fuller, and you get more of an intense kind of flavour coming through. So for a lot of them, the longer you leave them, the better they are. Uh, and some of them, literally, you can keep for, for 12 months, 18 months, uh, and they say the longer you leave them, the better they get. So you can check up on me in a few, maybe in half a year's time, see how I'm getting on. Hopefully I would have had that burger with the kimchi by then. Um, I shouldn't have done that. I've set myself up, haven't I? Everyone's going to be coming back to me in a bit of time. But the reason I'm talking about this is that, uh, so with, with kimchi, you have some that are ready to go almost straight away. Others take months to kind of come to their fullness, really, and, and to, uh, to get everything out of them that, that, that you can do. And for me, it's a little bit like uh, preparing a sermon series. Sometimes when I come to prepare a sermon series, it just comes very quickly, very easily. I know exactly what the focus is going to be, how we're going to do it, how we're going to work it out. But other times, it's like God will just drop an idea in, or something will get me thinking. Uh, but it wouldn't be right, or it wouldn't be appropriate to just quickly kind of get something together and, and put it out there. It can take time to, to think on it, and to reflect on it, to allow God to speak to me. Uh, and that's the way sometimes it, it works. And the reason I'm saying this is because... I had the idea of, for a series, looking at creativity, so faith, creativity, and art, how we perhaps express our faith, express our relationship with God in, in, uh, through creative gifts uh, and through art. And I had this last summer, or last June it was, when we were starting to think about what can we do through, through the summer. 
Uh, started having discussions with a few people about it, just kind of floating the idea out there, wanted to check it wasn't just me that thought it would be something that would be, would be of interest. And actually, to everyone that I spoke to thought it sounded like a really good idea and something to think about, something to, to ponder on. Uh, actually, how do we use creative gifts personally and, and corporately as a church in our worship and in expressing our, our relationship with God? Uh, I've got, started, it led to some really excellent conversations uh, and uh, yeah, it was just a really interesting time to be able to discuss it. But I felt at the time it wouldn't necessarily suit the, the summer uh, the best, just because of, you know what summer's like, people can be away uh, quite often and, and you don't really know, you're not necessarily going to get the consistency of coming to church because people are on holiday, people are visiting people, which is absolutely what the summer is for. And I think what we ended up doing with the Life First series fitted really well, because it was easy to, as and when people were around, to kind of pop in and, and hear that. But um, th this idea of doing something about creativity and art has really stuck with me. Uh, and over the last few months, again, I've been having a lot of conversations with, with people inside church and outside church. I've been uh, made aware of a lot of really excellent resources that are out there. I've read um, a few books on it and, and really given some time to it because... Uh, Yeah, and as I've done so, it's kind of been like that, allowing that time for it to kind of marinate and, and to think. I think actually bringing it now at this point is going to be much better than had we brought it back uh, in the summer. I think it's going to be to our benefit that we've had that time. Back in the summer, the, the real thing that got me was I wanted for us to think about expressions of creativity in art in terms of how we express worship, how we express our relationship with God, how we kind of communicate with God. It was really on my heart that I'd love to see when we gather together, whether on Sunday and other groups, a bit more of a, a diversity and a creativity in the way that we do things. And that is still very much on my heart. I would love to see that uh, happen. But I think what's happened, the, the longer I've thought on it, the longer I've studied, the longer I've uh, done reading and had conversations, I've realised actually when we're talking about faith, creativity and art, it's so much broader than just how it can be used within the context of a summary. Actually, it's something that will affect our everyday life. And whether we're using it explicitly to communicate the gospel or explicitly to communicate something of Jesus or whether we're producing art that is worshipful and, and brings glory to God, even if there's no apparent meaning to it, I think God wants to use the giftings that he's given us um, in that. So I felt it wouldn't fit with summer. I'm, still, I'm confident that that was actually the right decision. But so I've kept coming back to it. I've been reading, been discussing, spending quite a bit of time on it. And now seven to eight months later, today is the day we start our creative series. As I say, we're going to be exploring faith, creativity and art. And this morning, I just want to just give a bit of a, an introduction, I guess, to, to the series that we're going to be doing. To share where it's come from, what my hopes are, what my heart is uh, for us as a church through doing this series uh, and then we're going to just spend a bit of time looking biblically at, at kind of the, the, the role and, and purpose of, of, of creativity and our, in our faith and I want to start with this is just to look at what was on my heart when looking to bring this series together sometimes either whether you're preparing a, a sermon or whether you're preparing a series the, the, the only place to start really is what do we kind of what's the purpose of it what do I want to see come from it what do I feel that God is wanting to bring through this. And the overriding thing that came out, even say eight months ago, seven, eight months ago, when I started thinking about this, was I want this series to serve 
as an encouragement to many of us to use the gifts that God has given. That might seem fairly simple, I guess, but that's my heart for it. I want this series to serve as an encouragement to many of us to use the giftings that God has given us. And for some of us, our talents and our giftings, uh, they work themselves out or they express themselves out through, through creative means or through art. And I just want people to be encouraged to look at the giftings and the talents that God has given you and to think, actually, if God has given me this, how can I use this to bring glory to him? How can I use this in my worship of him? How can I use this to build up the church? But I also want it to get us to consider how do we as a community, so how do we as a family, how do we support and encourage those who have call-ins as artists? But not only that, how do we build a community that also nurtures creativity among us? I want this church to be a place where we see the full expression of humanity as God intended for us to be. So actually, how do we have a, a, a culture and a community that supports and encourages all sorts of gifts, including gifts of creativity and including gifts of the arts. There'll be some here who have creative gifting, who have creative talents. Some, it will be as, as a profession, that's what they do for, to earn a living. For others, it would be as, perhaps as a, more of a passion or more of a hobby. It's not something that they've been able to pursue as a, uh, to rely on as a, as a career but it's something that's very much a part of their, of their life and how they express themselves and how they communicate. I know in our church we've got people who uh, are very talented in, in poetry, in music, in photography. I know my mum's dabbled in floristry. Uh, we've got, I have to say this, because otherwise I might get in trouble, we've got people who uh, make a living through graphic illustration and art. Don't we, Steph? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we have people who are keen on, on theatre and acting. It's part of them being able to express who they are. We've got teachers, you know, teachers that get to work out their creativity and their gifting in the classroom through the way that they teach and engage students. Through gifts of creativity and art, do you know what? We've got extraordinary opportunities to honour God in the everyday. This might work itself out as we worship, enjoy relationship with God. It could be the way that we express ourselves in our quiet times. How we, how we kind of uh, work through the things that we're thinking and feeling. Some people will do that in very creative ways. For others, it will be about in the life of the church. Actually, are there creative giftings? Are there, is there use of art that we could use to build up the church? And that could be used to help us to express our worship in church, but wider than that in our everyday contexts. So for some of us, I might be speaking, and, and already some of you are thinking this is exactly, would be relevant for me, because this is exactly how I tick. This is what gets me going. This is what I'm passionate about. This is the way that I know that I express myself, and the way I communicate, uh, and the way I, I process. But for some of you, you might think, actually, that, that's not necessarily the way I am. I don't particularly feel creative. I don't feel talented in any sort of creativity or art. But whether we are contributors or not, all of us are consumers of art. All of us are consumers of creative expression. And it's important for us to, to realise this because we need to ask ourselves the question, how do we engage with art and creative expression? As Christians, how do we engage with it? If you look at the history of the church, it's kind of been a, it kind of swings wildly from side to side sometimes. 
at some points, the church has been right at the forefront of art. They've been the ones that have been funding it. They're the ones that have been really pushing it and pursuing it. Then at other times, it's like they've swung completely the other way out of fear of, of kind of worldliness creeping in or perhaps fear of idolatry keep creeping in. And sometimes it's been for absolutely the right reasons. There's been periods of time where art has been completely pushed out of the church. So there's, kind of, there's been this relationship over the years that's gone on. So we need to ask ourselves, actually as Christians, how then should we engage with it? How then should we seek to relate to it? And I hope that over the course of these few weeks that it will enable us, whether we are contributors or whether we're consumers, to really think through biblically, actually, where are we at? And how should we engage with the creative arts? Another reason for us to consider how we engage with it is because the arts are at the leading edge of culture. The culture that we live in is reflected primarily through art. I've been reading an excellent book called Art for God's Sake by a guy named Philip Graham Ryken. And he says that for art, he says its artifacts embody the ideas and desires of the coming generation. What's happening in the arts is prophetic of what will happen in our culture tomorrow. It's a very telling observation. What's happening in the arts today is prophetic of what's going to be happening in our culture tomorrow. So we can't allow ourselves to completely disengage. And we, we will all kind of engage to different degrees with art and with creativity. That's just by nature some things will interest, interest us more than others. But actually I think we need to, to allow ourselves to think, actually what is an appropriate response to this? Because if culture is being shaped by art, or if art is reflecting what the culture is, actually, we need to be aware of what the culture is telling us. And also to think, do we have a better message, or do we have another message to tell that fits in with a more biblical worldview than the one that we're seeing expressed? So, whether as contributors or consumers, we should give thought and consideration to how we engage. Now, talking about art and creativity, it's a, it's a pretty broad spectrum, isn't it? If I were to say art and would say... Can you just throw out some ideas of what art is like? We could be here for the rest of the time today because it is a very broad thing. And create, again, thinking about creativity and the ways we express ourselves creatively, it's very broad. Then over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some more specifically at some individual forms of creative expression. We're going to be touching on storytelling and music, the use of words, uh, film, we're going to be doing. So these are quite deliberate. And some of you, again, might have more interest in than others. And I was talking to Steph about this yesterday and just saying, almost like, am I trying to cover too much in just a few weeks? We're not going to be able to touch on, on everything and actually are we going to be touching on some subjects that people aren't necessarily going to have much interest in and I don't want people to disengage themselves over the course of this series. And Steph then started to talk to me about Barocca. Now Barocca is one of those, I looked at, apparently it's called an effervescent drink. So you, you have a tablet and you drop it in your drink and it dissolves, goes nice and fizzy and nice and then you drink it and it does you good, is the idea. And Steph was saying, actually she felt, when I was talking about this, she felt that this series would be a little bit like that. that although for some of us, to, to just kind of focus on one specific topic might just be like, actually I can't necessarily engage with this, it's a bit too much. Like if you were to try and eat a Barocca tablet, don't do it because I'm sure it's not very nice. Uh, it would just be a bit, hang on a second, it's a bit full on and too much. But with Barocca's, what happens is, well, there are other brands out there. You put it in, and uh, I'm not getting paid for this. You put it in, and it dissolves through the drink. And actually, as you sip it, you take in what you need. And Steph felt, actually, for us as a church, uh, you know, we are talking about a really 
broad thing and some of us might be like I don't know what I'm going to get out of this but Stefan as we go over it over the weeks there'll be this sense of actually God's just going to touch and reach each one of us and connect with us where we're at even if we think oh we're talking about film I really don't get it it's a bit intense and it's a bit much that actually even in that week that God there'll be something that kind of dissipates down and really gets into our hearts of what God is saying so I really want to encourage you to engage as much as you can with this series because I do sense that there will be something that connects with and encourages each one of us with where we're at. Now I'm definitely no expert on this. I'm going to hold my hands up at the start and say that. I, I think I do express myself creatively in some ways, um, perhaps through the way I with stuff with my preaching and I try and get quite creative with that and some of the stuff we do with, um, uh, with the all-age services and different services we do. Some of the graphics we have, I have some of those are mine, I'd like to have a go at doing some of those things. So I think there is a, a bit of a creative outlet there in me, but I'm definitely no expert. I mean, we, as a family, we quite like expressing ourselves in creative ways. Our house is often full of singing, and we, we have a bit of a, what, like an after-dinner boogie. Pretty much every day we have a bit of a dance after dinner. But let me tell you this, I have absolutely nothing of worth that I could teach you about dancing. That's guaranteed. It wouldn't be fair on you if I tried. Try us. No. <laughs> Call my bluff. <laughs> but I must say, I've been introduced to a lot of excellent, uh, excellent resources, excellent books, excellent websites. Uh, I've had conversations with a vast number of people about this. So I feel like actually... Uh, there's, um, there's a lot that's inspired me and taught me a lot. It's given me a real fresh perspective. It's challenged me uh, and, and has given me a fresh perspective. So I hope for the times that I'm speaking, I'll be able to pass on some of the stuff that I'm able to share. And there's lots of really excellent resources out there, uh, if you look. And what I'll do uh, over, the, uh, over the coming days, I'll send out some different links to stuff, if it would be of interest to people, just to, get, to be able to build on, on stuff that we're looking at. Uh, but I'm also, over, over these next few weeks, I'm, I've asked a lot, uh, quite a few other people to get involved uh, who have more of an obvious talent, more of an obvious gifting around the creative side of things and, and in the arts. So we'll be able to hear from them and they'll be able to give a very different perspective than perhaps, than perhaps I would. Um, so, as I say, I'm no expert on this, but I'm going to hope to be able to pass on just some of the things that have been put on my heart and that I've been made aware of. And so for the rest of our time today... I want us to think biblically about the place and purpose of creativity. I want to share some thoughts with us, kind of to set us uh, off, uh, set us on our way in this series. If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to Genesis and chapter 1. Uh, as you pick it up, as you find your way there, uh, I want you to think as if you're about to read it for the first time. Okay, so the Bible is, is a story. It's about God's story. It's about the story of uh, the story of God and his, um, the creation of, 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 of everything, uh, his relationship with his creation, particularly his relationship with, with mankind. Um, so we're going to go right back to the start, start of the story. It's a good place to start, right at the beginning of a story. Uh, you don't want to jump in halfway through. Uh, and this is where the story begins. So we're going to read from Genesis 1, uh, and we're going to read one verse. Which says this, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
So in the story of history, this is how we are first introduced to God. This was a big revelation for me. This is the way that we are first introduced to God. As a creator. As we read. So we're introduced to God as a creator. And as we continue to read. What we see and what we read about. Is God created. God creating. And bringing form. And as he brings and creates form. He then fills it. And as he fills it. As we look at what he fills creation with. Look at the diversity of it. I don't know if you're into to documentaries, uh, like nature documentaries or anything. I, it never, never ceases to amaze me at how diverse, what diversity and what variety there is out there. And what complexity there is. The fact that everything just works the way that it should is absolutely astounding. There's creativity and diversity from the microscopic to the gigantic. From those things that, we, that we, we know of, I think we've barely scratched the surface of what's out there. Scientists are discovering new things every day. New species, new varieties. There are new areas of the earth that we're touching on. There's areas of space that we're, we're starting to get further and, and further and deeper into space. But I feel like we, we've barely kind of scratched the surface of what's out there. And it's God, the creator God, who created all of that. It flowed out of who he is. It's an expression of who he is. And God looks on his creation. And what does he say about it? He says it's good. So we've got at the very beginning of this story. We've got creator God. Who creates and, and fills his creation with such diversity. Such beauty. Such variety. And he looks on it and he pronounces this. Uh, um, I don't know, not judgment's the right word here, but he looks at it and he's just able to say, this is good. And it is good. In some of the reading I was doing, someone made this point that really stuck out to me. He said, actually, in creation we see functionality. So we see order, we see things working, kind of in a system, working together. So we see functionality, but we see beauty as well. That's the creativity of God shining through. There is functionality, but there's beauty that goes with it. Now I have a, a thing where um, generally when talking about I say, when talking about creation, I call it creation rather than some people might talk about it as nature, being out in nature, looking at nature. And I personally choose to say looking at creation, going out into creation. And I'm not going to get weird. If you talk about nature, that's absolutely fine. I'm not kind of trying to nitpick with people. But the reason I do it is for me is because I find it helpful because it's a reminder to myself that creation speaks of the one who created it. So in speaking about creation, it reminds me that there was one who, who was behind all of it. That it points to the one who created it. If I see something that I, I just... You know, sometimes there, there are views that I see or something I'm aware of that I'm just like, kind of lost for words and even in terms of being able to express it. But then I'm reminded there's someone who created that. Someone behind that. It didn't just happen. It flowed out of God, the creator. And creativity is an integral part of his nature. Behind all things is a creative personality. 
Then in Genesis 1.27, so we've got introduced to God as the creator. Then in Genesis 1.27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we have the creator God. And he creates uh, man and woman. And how does he create them? He says, let's create them in our image. So we're created in the image of God. Which means that we have the ability to imagine, to feel, to create. And actually, as we create, we reflect the mind of the one who made us. I'm sure that's not, that's not all it means to, to be made in the image of God. That would be far too big a subject to try and unpack now. But I think that's a big part of it. If we're created in the image of God and he's a creator, then there's something actually in, how, in our expression and in, in our creativity that reflects something of the mind of God. And we've been given a mandate to steward his world as his image bearers. There's a theologian called Abraham and he says, as image, as image bearer of God, man possesses the possibility to both create something beautiful and to delight in it. The world of sounds, the world of forms, the world of tints and the world of poetic ideas can have no other source than God. And it is our privilege as bearers of his image to have a perception of this beautiful world, artistically to reproduce and humanly to enjoy it. So again, both as contributors and as consumers, that's part of what it is to be made in the image of God. To create something beautiful and to delight in it. So, we've got God introduced to God in his story as a creator. We've been created in his image. Therefore, part of that is going to be expressing ourselves and working creatively. And in doing so, reflecting him. But the Bible speaks highly also speaks highly of those with artistic gifts. In Exodus chapter 31, if you'd like to turn there, we're going to read a few chapters from there. Um, we, what we see is actually for some, having a, an artistic expression is, is the calling that God has put upon their life. For some people here, having an artistic calling and working out your creativity is going to be what God has called you to do. Whether it could be as your profession, but also the, the main way that he's, the main thing that he's called you to. In this life. And in Exodus 31, God has given instructions for the tabernacle. So it's going to be the place where God is going to, going to dwell among his people. And he's given the instructions of how it's uh, for the tabernacle and its contents, in terms of the dimensions, how it's meant to look, the things that are meant to go inside it. And then at the start of 31, he calls, we, we're told about two men by name and then some other guys that he calls and he equips to do the work of uh, building and filling the tabernacle. And it says, in chapter 31 from the start, says that the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and, and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have called.
commanded you. So we've got Bezalel and Aholiab. They were called by God to undertake the construction of the tabernacle. To undertake, including all of the things that were meant to fill it. All the contents of it as well. This was their calling. This is what God had for them. And we, we see that they have been filled by his spirit with ability, intelligence, knowledge and craftsmanship. They've been equipped by God for the task that he's called them to do. You kind of look at that list. and um, It seems that Bezalel is one of those guys that you look at and you're just like, is there anything that he can't do? It's a fairly comprehensive list. But it's what God has equipped him to do. It's what God has gifted him with. Now these were extraordinarily gifted men. Their call was to build a house for God. This isn't a call that anyone else is going to have. Okay, so what I don't want us to do is kind of read too much into this because we have to understand they were equipped for a very specific purpose. But what we do see here is that creativity is a gift from God. And it's for the glory of God. So in building the, t- building the, the, the tabernacle, it was the dwelling place of God. It was about glorifying him. And in, and, and in working out their calling through their artistic ability and through their craftsmanship was their way of bringing glory to God. Have you ever thought that God could have made the tabernacle himself? God could have, it, it was the place that he was going to dwell. This was the place where he was going to live with his people. He could have built it himself. He could have made it exactly how he wanted to make it. But he gets people involved. And he equips and he uh, gives gifts. Fills them with the Holy Spirit. To use their gifts to be involved in bringing him glory. I think that's wonderful. That there's this partnership going on. And then again, we look at the variety of craftsmanship that God calls calls into action in there. All of those things, like the giftings that God gives to these guys and the abilities to work in certain forms and their talents in certain areas of craftsmanship Philip Graham Riken who I mentioned earlier in his book he says that in Exodus 31 God sanctifies a wide spectrum of artistic gifts by blessing all kinds of craftsmanship most art and crafts from filmmaking to decoupage are not explicitly mentioned here or anywhere else in the Bible but what the Bible does show however is that God blesses various kinds of art. The Bible speaks highly of those with artistic gifts. It shows that God blesses various kinds of art, and actually the way in which the Bible unfolds also speaks of creativity. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in all righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what that, that's a, a very profound statement about scripture that it equips us for every good work the way the bible is, is structured if we were to look at um, kind of the areas of the bible are perhaps a bit more obviously in, instructional that tell us actually this is the way this is um, the way that we're, we're meant to live these are the ways that we're meant to be as the church uh, and very clear instruction if you look at it proportionally, it's actually a fairly small proportion of the Bible. 
a lot of the Bible unfolds and the story is told through narrative and a, a fairly big section is through poetry as well. So even the way that the Bible, the, the story that um, the Bible unfolds the story of God is in very diverse and creative ways. I'm going to pick up on this next week. I'm going to talk about storytelling because actually there's a, there's a potential challenge to the church, particularly in the West, in that we've got it the other way around and we focus a lot on the, the, the kind of the instructional side of stuff and trying to work out what the point of what's the point that's coming through rather than allowing ourselves to kind of just work our way through the story in that sense. So I'll pick up on that a little bit more next week. But I just thought it was really interesting that the Bible itself, the way it's composed and the way it's put together, the way the story unfolds, is great diversity and creativity and artistry in that. There are many examples in the Old Testament of the arts that are being used in worship as well. So it's always been a way in which people are expressing their worship to God through the arts. Quick question, just put this out there. Would anyone like to hazard a guess at to which form of art does the Bible mention more than any other? Uh, people need to talk a little bit louder. So. Music. Music. Yeah. Music is the is the, the one form that is mentioned more than any other in the Bible. I'm not going to say any more on that. James is speaking on music in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I definitely don't want to steal his thunder. Um, so we see, it, uh, if we look through, through the Bible, actually we see the use of the arts in worship and in expression of faith. Jesus himself was an amazing communicator. I heard someone describe him as the master storyteller. If you look at the way that he, uh, the way that he gets his listeners thinking, the way that he challenges culture, the way that he communicates truth, he uses narratives, parables, metaphors. He uses real creativity in the way that he engages with people. There's a lot that we could learn actually from observing, from observing that. So the Bible actually reveals a lot to us about the use of creativity, about the use of arts their purpose and their value. But art is, is fallen. Like every other aspect of the human experience, it is fallen. It has the potential to do good. It has the potential to do harm. It has the potential to speak truth or to speak lies. It has the potential to, uh, to, uh, to bring glory to God or to man. It, has, it can inspire worship or it can become an idol in and of itself. So just like every other aspect of the human experience, it is fallen. And actually there's something worth saying there, that actually we... Uh, I'm not going to come to that because I'm going to open up too big a thing here. I'm going to stick to what I've got. But if art is fallen, then it also means it's under the redemptive work of Jesus. It has the potential to honour God. It has the potential to witness to his beauty. It has potential to witness to the truth of the gospel. You know, God's kingdom, his rule and his reign extends to every area of life. If we say that Jesus is Lord, that means that Jesus is Lord of every area of our life, every sphere of life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Take a moment and think about how you spend a typical day. What do you do? What do you spend your time on? What do you give yourself to? 
Think about food, drink, work, family, friends, cleaning, exercising. And then what about your creativity? Every aspect of every Christian life has the potential to honour God. And for those of you who find you communicate and express yourself in creative ways, know this, that it has the potential to honour God. There's a professor, uh, Dr. H.R. Rookmaker. He's in his book, Art Needs No Justification. He says that we should remind ourselves that Christ did not come to make us Christians or to save our souls, but only that he came to redeem us, that we might be human in the full sense of the word. To be new people means that we can begin to act in our full, free, human capacity in all facets of our lives. Therefore, to be Christian means that one has humanity, the freedom to work in God's creation and to use the talents God has given to each one of us to his glory and to the benefit of our neighbours. Therefore, if we have artistic talents, they should be used. I just want to finish just with a couple of thoughts, things that I've been reading and and reflecting on that have really spoken to me. I uh, used to play a lot of basketball, particularly from sort of year nine, year ten through. We were those kids that would sneak into the sports hall every break time, every lunch time to play. Um, We used to get told off a lot. As a parent or as an adult now, I appreciate there's something called health and safety that's apparently quite serious. But when I was 14, 15, I'd didn't really care. We used to sneak into the sports hall and only turn on the lights for the end that we wanted so no one would, would spot us. Uh, but we, we were playing most days a couple of times uh, a day. It was a big part of, a big part of my life. And um, I, for one of, I think it was for one of my birthdays, I was aware of this exercise program that guaranteed that you would be able to jump 8 to 12 inches higher if you followed the program. And, uh, and I, I could already jump pretty high. For those of you who are into basketball, I could already dunk a basketball. Um, I definitely can't now. But I used to be able to. I was quite springy back then. But I thought, actually, I want to be able to jump even higher than I could. So I got this program. Um, and I continued to play basketball through school, through university. Uh, haven't, haven't played it since coming back from university. And it's quite sad, really, that uh, I used to jump every day. And then before I knew it, there were some days that went by and I, I hadn't jumped. And then the days turned into weeks. Weeks would go by and I hadn't jumped. And do you know what? Now, to be honest, I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes there are months that go by and I can't even remember if I've jumped that month. And I, <laughs> I wasn't waiting for that. <laughs> um, and I think, actually, the times that I do remember jumping most recently is when I've been trying to get balloons down for my daughter. <laughs> That's the only time I jump now. So that phase of my life is gone. But I never did the program. I got given it, but I never did it. I never pushed myself through it to see actually how high could I jump. And I'm beyond that point now. You know, you get to a point and you just physically, you can't do the things that you would have been able to. And there's no way that I would be able to do that anymore. And there's a little bit of me. It doesn't keep me awake at night. And I don't think about it very often. But I do sometimes wonder, what, what would have happened if I'd done it? I wonder quite how high I could have jumped. There is a reason why I'm saying this. 
is because whether as a profession or as a passion or hobby, art and creative expressions are to be enjoyed. They're to be they're celebrated, but they're also to be pursued and cultivated. Not for fear of regret, like me with my jumping. Not because we are worried about what we might miss out on, but because there is joy and purpose in them. Because we can cultivate what gifts God has given us. I want to encourage you, if you have a creative leaning, if you have a creative talent, if talking about creativity and art is just really clicking with you, and something that you want to, to think about and talk about, then if that's where your talents lie, give yourself to pursuing it and growing in it. If that's the way that God has made you, if that's the way that God has wired you, if that's the gifting that God has given you, then give yourself to pursuing it and allowing yourself to develop and to grow in it. Say, even if it's a hobby that you have an interest in, give yourself to it. See how God will use it. And it may involve for some picking something up that you might have put to one side for a while. I just want to encourage you. Actually, maybe there is something that you've put down to one side. Pick it up again. And I will finish with this. There can be a pressure for things that we create, whether it's things we write, draw, or sing. There's a pressure for things we create to serve a practical purpose of some kind. There's a pressure that it has to have a certain utility, that it has to fulfill a certain function. As Christians, we can fall into a trap of thinking that for art to have value, it must point people to Jesus. That it has to be overtly evangelistic and clear. That's what it's for. But I say this because I want it to bring freedom. Sometimes art will be... Sometimes God will use your gifts. Sometimes God will use art to explicitly communicate Jesus. And that's right. But art has value in and of itself. For what it is, it doesn't need to have any utility or any practical function. I just felt it's important to say that. Because I want people to have freedom in the way that they express themselves create, uh, creatively. It has value in and of itself for what it is. Not because it fits a particular function or has particular utility. Francis Schaeffer was, was a theologian. He says that a Christian should use the arts to the glory of God. Not just as tracts, but as things of beauty to the praise of God. Shall we pray? Then if it's alright, Mark, I'll just I'll finish up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to acknowledge again that you are the creator God. That behind all things, through everything that we see... Through the beauty that we see around us, through the things that just blow our minds. When we can't fathom the microscopic, when we can't fathom the scale of the, of the universe, we acknowledge that you are the creative personality behind all of it. We thank you, thank you that out of your, the fullness of who you are, creativity flowed out of that. And we thank you that as those who are made in your image, that we have the ability to think, to feel, to create, to reflect 
something of your mind, to reflect something of your heart as those we've been made in the image of. Lord, I want to thank you that you've made us, each of us, who we are. That you've given us the personalities that we have. That you've given us the talents we have. That you've given us the gifting that you have. Not that anyone is more valuable than anyone else. We're the way that you've made us to be. And Father, I want to thank you for your absolute diversity. In all things, but particularly as we look around, even at this room, the diversity that's here. Thank you that you've made each one of us to be who we are. We thank you for all gifts, but today thinking about creativity, and I want to thank you for the creative gifts, for the creative expressions, through the way that for some of us we uh, just communicate and express ourselves in in a different way. But that enables us to uh, create things of truth and of beauty that can bring glory to you. Father, just at the outset of this series, I pray, would you bring an encouragement to those who you have given that that gift into, to those who do communicate themselves in those ways. Let this serve as an encouragement. But Lord, I pray that you would bring freedom as well. That almost that you would bring permission for people to work out their life and to work out their, their feelings and to express their relationship with you and their relationship with the world. Uh, in, in those creative ways that you've uh, put on their hearts. But Lord, for all of us, would you help us to really think and to reflect on what it is to be, to be consumers, really, of art, how we should engage with it, to be able to look for things that are true and are beautiful, to enjoy the great creativity that's out there. There's a lot that's out there that's wonderful to be enjoyed. But give us real wisdom in how we do that. So again, at the outset of this series, we say, Lord, come and have your way with us over these, I think it's another five weeks after this one. Come and have your way among us. Just like that Baraka filtering its way through, come and meet each one of us where we are, that all of us would have something to take away, to be encouraged with and to be built up with, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.